0: with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, Truth Espresso fans. This is Daniel Minnick, your host, and welcome to this um, different episode of Truth Espresso. This episode is a little bit of a break from a series that we're doing on identifying who Jesus is via superheroes. And so, as we identify who Jesus is in this episode, we're going to take a break from that and deal with another issue concerning identity. And this issue in particular is dealing with what is called the Equality Act that has passed the House of Representatives in the United States on Thursday, February 25th. And for this episode... We welcome back my beautiful wife Chelsea as a guest on Truth Espresso. Chelsea has talked about things from um, medical perspective, a woman's perspective, um, dealing with issues like uh, abortion. And the last time she was on, we talked about uh, COVID vaccines and Christian conscience. But here to uh, chat with me a little bit about the Equality Act is Chelsea Minix so chelsea welcome back to truth espresso
1: yes thank you it's good to be back
0: (laughs) so um let's see the equality act so why shouldn't we just support an act based on its name here it's called the equality act and uh we're for equality right i mean equality is a good word and you know there there have been struggles with uh, equal rights in certain things for men and women uh, like equal pay for equal work and stuff like that so if it's called the equality act uh, why shouldn't we be in favor of whatever is in the text of this act so <laughs> What do you think, babe? Should we look into this act and really see if it's a good thing, or should we just, you know, say, hey, we're for equality, so go ahead and pass it?
1: Yes, what is the saying? Don't judge a book by its cover. In this case, we're not going to judge an act by its cover or by its title. We definitely need to be wise and look into this and read what the act actually entails because there is a lot of harm that actually can come from this so-called Equality Act.
0: So let's dig in deep a little bit into this Equality Act, and we're going to look at some of the text of it. Now, Chelsea, you have read the Equality Act, correct? Yes. And and so have I. So both of us have read the full text of the Act. Now, it, it's not like this humongous thing that would take you a few hours it's not like 200 pages it would take it takes about i'd say 15 minutes and a lot of it is a good deal of boredom talking about changing language uh from one verbiage to another and so what is the meat of this equality act well really it's just a change to the language of the civil rights act of 1964 and allegedly to update it with the Times, because the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was intended to end... The discrimination there against things like uh, sex and race and religious preferences and so that if you're going to be hired for a job like say you know I as a software developer um, I shouldn't be discriminated based on my faith or the fact that I'm male or that uh, the color of my skin and likewise you know if someone has a different skin color or different religion or is a female or whatever they should just have equal access to a job as i would and or to go shopping someplace eat at a restaurant so it seems like this act is supposed to be a good thing but the equality act is an update to the civil rights act to change some of the language to add to it or to uh, redefine some terms Now, the focus of the Equality Act is centered around the word discrimination. It makes a lot of use of this word discrimination. Now, is discrimination... The technical definition of the word, always a bad thing. I mean, we have to discriminate when we choose what clothes we want to wear, what food we're going to eat, uh, where we plan to go to college, what major uh, we want to take there, what job or career we're shooting for, uh, what car to buy. Uh, Where we want to live and so on, Uh, you know, we make value judgments. And so in the process, we discriminate and the government does an awful lot of discrimination because it seems like most activities right now on the free market, for the most part, don't actually discriminate for the reasons that the Civil Rights Act was intended to prevent. Uh, naturally a lot of employers are just looking for someone who has the skills to do the job they hire based on who will do the work but then the government is what constantly discriminates because you think of all the forms that you have to fill out that ask for things like gender and ethnicity you know i don't advertise that on my resume as i apply for jobs i would normally just submit my resume and cover letter but then comes the government forms that ask for my gender and ethnicity and am i a pacific islander african american and asian or a caucasian or some forms ask if i'm hispanic or latino or not hispanic or latino so it seems like the government wants to treat these things as important where other people who are not in the government don't really see things like that as being overly important But what does the Equality Act say at the beginning of it... Uh, For its purpose, it says, quote, an act to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation, and for other purposes, unquote. So the focus of the Equality Act is to go beyond the original ethnicity, sex, uh, according to biological sex, and uh, religion, and things like that, and it just focuses on on gender identity, orientation, and, and things that are primarily in the mind of someone, how the person chooses to identify themselves. And so babe, what uh, do you have anything to say about that? Is this something that's long overdue that we add to uh, the Civil Rights Act as a matter of civil rights? Do we need to protect people based on how they identify themselves by their um, perceived gender?
1: Well, this is definitely an interesting um, addition to the act that was first inscribed. (laughs) So it seems that it's very dangerous to have it open-ended to where anyone can identify themselves as anything they want or anything they perceive themselves as. So that can go a long ways as far as someone who is a pedophile they want to identify as that. Then all of a sudden now we have to not discriminate against them. So it just seems like this is really going to open up A huge... um,
0: Pandora's box.
1: Yes, (laughs) Pandora's box, thanks. Of just allowing anything and everything
0: yeah so it's kind of interesting the way I try to think about it, the purpose of the Civil Rights Act originally is to recognize that there are indeed differences you don't discriminate based on these actual differences you don't treat them like okay so someone has a different ethnicity or different skin color you're not blurring that away you're recognizing that because there are differences you don't impose things um, such as uh, job offers and you know sales of goods and services based on criteria that are recognized as actually different but are not relevant to those types of activities but in the case of gender so the original, Act as you don't discriminate based on sex because there are two sexes and you don't deny females things that are not really specific to males like you don't discriminate and say I'm I'm only going to sell this to a male when it has nothing to do with maleness at all like someone you know say if someone's being chauvinistic so the idea of not discriminating is by recognizing that there are distinctions so does um, defining sex redefining sex sex via the equality act into the language of the civil rights act of 1964 what does that do to <laughs> the idea that there are in fact these biological distinctions that you know we're not supposed to discriminate in certain ways based on the fact that there are distinctions there but what is this going to do i mean aren't there biological differences between male and female? Do you have any input on that? And since I'm a biological male and a husband and father, you're a biological female and a wife and mother, there are obvious differences for how we have our uh, four kids and, you know, you have femaleness i have maleness and you know so can you speak even to things that are biological that we might not even think about or or know unless we study the science like so what are some more biological distinctions between male and female
1: I am very glad you asked me that because it's actually really interesting once you start digging into looking at the amazing way God created male and female and just the tiny little differences that you would never think of down to little receptors on muscles that are different between males and females so um, females can recover quickly from muscle fatigue where males have a longer time recovering from muscle fatigue. So it's just, yeah, absolutely amazing to see how God designed male and female and just the differences um, between the two. A uh, few just to so point out that it was very interesting. Males tend to have a bigger brain in total mass, and their brain interacts more in specific regions. So if you've heard of any comparisons of the different ways males and females will think and males, sometimes they're considered thinking in a box or also that their brains are kind of like waffles. Well, that is kind of the case in how their brain actually functions, that they will go from one spot to the brain to the other, whereas females, they tend to have interaction crossing both hemispheres and quite quickly, too. And uh, another interesting thing I saw was that in females, the hippocampus part of the brain is actually a little bit bigger, and that's where you are learning and memorizing information. And it actually works differently than the male as well. And something else that, like, I know we talk a lot about just something that you can notice different between males and females with males Being more logical and females being maybe more emotional. If I'm stereotyping that, I don't mean to, but there is actually biological evidence for this. So the female is actually able to remember and recall emotional events more than a male would be able to. And because of that, Females are actually more prone to depression and anxiety. Depending on what article you read, they're two to four times more likely than males to struggle with that. And then on the other hand, with males having the more logical and the origin-specific part of their brain functioning at a higher level, they are more inclined to have struggles with autism and being on the autistic spectrum. So just very interesting, just from the brain perspective, there's all these different details that really show there's a difference between males and females, and that's how God designed it. God designed it not to be this one's inferior, one's superior between the two genders, but we actually complement each other. We help each other where one might be lacking, the other one might be able to come and help in that area.
0: So that's, uh, yeah, that's some good um, scientific information there, babe. And of course, you know that there isn't a vanilla male and a vanilla female. There's a lot of personal distinction, personality distinctions. And, you know, if you want to use the term spectrum, yeah, there are flavors of maleness and flavors of femaleness and stuff. It's not like a black and white thing. There is overlap in activity, uh, you know, and makeup. But if you use the law of averages, There are differences in the averages of uh, the way, you know, you said autism or um, logic or, you know, uh, feelings and stuff like that. And that's based on biological distinctions, as you said, and how the brains are designed. And so, you know, to ignore that is to ignore that at our own peril. Now, let's get more into the uh, Equality Act. The Equality Act appeals to the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution. So, what does the 14th Amendment say? It says, quote, All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. There is a, you know, there's an historical context to that because the 14th Amendment was passed after freeing the slaves uh, uh, during the Civil War time. Continuing on, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws, And now I'm going to read a portion of the Equality Act that appeals to the 14th Amendment and note some of the subtle uh, distinctions there. So, Section 2, Subsection A.10 of the Equality Act is, quote, Discrimination by state and local governments on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity in employment, housing, and public accommodations, and in programs and activities receiving federal financial assistance, violates the equal protection clause of the 14th amendment to the constitution of the united states of course i would say that at the time of the 14th amendment i don't think anyone was thinking about federal financial assistance in the way it's just flippantly done today but uh, nevertheless moving on Quote, in many circumstances, such discrimination also violates other constitutional rights, such as those of liberty and privacy under the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. Unquote. So, did anyone hear anything about privacy under the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment? No, it says life, liberty, or property It says, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So, why is it adding privacy to this and of course it doesn't want to mention property (laughs) which i think is important life liberty and property seems to be something that the person would own you know life you don't kill i'm thinking of abortion here that the equality act seems to want to deny to the unborn and we'll get to that later and then the equality act fails to mention the word property because it seems to want to deny people property by forbidding how you can use or dispense of your property if you want to give it or sell it it should be your discretion but of course the equality act seems to want to say that you have no right over your property because if it can be found that somehow allegedly you have discriminated then you know you have no right to your life liberty or property if allegedly you've discriminated against what you yourself own so if i own property can i not choose to sell it or not to sell it or to give it away and to whom if i own a business and create products which is my capital my property i can decide whether to sell it or to whom to sell it right and then if we look at the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights, remember freedom of speech. Oh, but wait, that, that doesn't work anymore because, you know, you might discriminate with your words. Freedom of the press, but what about this? If we can have groups and associations that require members to be certain things, say biological women, women's rights groups and so on, and those groups do activities like canvas and sell things only to other women, is that a bad thing? What about the First Amendment right of, quote, the right of the people peaceably to assemble, unquote? And in the case of this Equality Act to petition the government for a redress of grievances, do we get that? <laughs> so I would say we don't need the government breathing down our necks whining about so-called discrimination when there could be perfectly valid reasons for wanting to associate or do commerce based on certain commonalities. But now... Let's really get into the meat of this Act. Section 3, subsection A, point 1 of the Act, of the Equality Act, this is uh, where the Equality Act is updating the language of the Civil Rights Act, and it says, quote, in subsection A... If this is a point one in the Civil Rights Act, point one, in subsection A, by inserting, quote, sex, parentheses, including sexual orientation and gender identity, close parentheses, unquote, before, quote, or national origin, so, what it's saying is, that okay, where the Civil Rights Act has the word sex, the Equality Act is defining sex or reinterpreting the word to mean including sexual orientation and gender identity. And you see a lot of that if you read the Equality Act. So... We can't discriminate based on male and female, but now we have to accept that male or female could mean anything. It's just how the person wants to identify that way. And the Equality Act includes this with teeth. It says in point four of subsection C, section three, it says, quote, any establishment that provides a good service or program, including a store, shopping center, online retailer or service provider, salon, bank, gas station, food bank, service or care center, shelter travel agency or funeral parlor or establishment that provides health care accounting or legal services unquote and what this is doing is saying that no discrimination is allowed in any of these situations in any of these types of organizations it's basically trying to say anything here and so what do you think about that babe I did emphasize shelter and I did emphasize establishment that provides health care. So, how does that impact? say women's care because that's what you you're wanting to do you wanted to do women's care but what about caring for women's needs and what about shelters and how, how is that going to cause a problem if someone could be a biological male and identify as a female and you know you don't want to discriminate that how is that could that cause a problem could it backfire are there unintended consequences there
1: Yes, I think this is the part where it really shows the true colors of what the act is and that it is not for equality. It is going to actually cause more harm for women and I think we as women need to stand up against this act and um, the men that love us too because this is going to put women back in harm's way again. You cannot have a women's shelter where women need to get away from abusive men and then allowing men who identify or claim that they're women going into these shelters because that is not providing a safe place for them. And then also with health care. I'm a women's health provider. My job description means I can only care for biological women. I can't care for men unless I'm treating for um, sexually transmitted infections. Then I can treat men for that. But now, okay, am I going to be held liable for discriminating against treating for men? And it's just very crazy. Um, We need to definitely stand up against this because it's going to cause a lot of harm.
0: So I mean, what's so hard about treating, uh, doing prenatal, postnatal care for a transgender woman? <laughs> like, you mean there's there's some a little bit of difficulty there? I mean, <laughs> why is that something that you wouldn't be able to do with your women's health care? And like, could you do ultrasounds and see the, uh, you know, how far along the baby is? with a transgender woman you think or why is that a problem (laughs) 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 obviously i'm being a little bit sarcastic (laughs) Uh,
1: yes just a little bit um yes there are some very obvious reasons why i would not be able to do women's health care for men because um they are physically different men do not have a uterus and like there are different anatomical body parts and that would be a different line of care so yes that wouldn't really work that way Um, it is interesting that some people don't realize but there are quite a few hormones that are in both men and women like men have the estrogen testosterone progesterone They're just at different levels than women. And women also have the estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And so some people think, okay, if we just alter those hormones, then we can make a man who wants to be a woman more womanly or vice versa. But looking at all the biological implications of that, that's not how that works. You can't just make someone into a different gender by altering their hormone levels like that. It's way more complicated. And that's because we had an amazing God who designed us and created us with so much detail. So I I don't know. It's just interesting that I'd just throw that out there.
0: (laughs) So yeah, it's like just putting a a little chimney uh, on a car doesn't turn it into a house, you know, like Things like that, you know, like, okay, doing these slight little alterations, you know, cosmetic alterations or, you know, things like that doesn't turn something into something else. uh, God has designed, as you said, a lot of intricacies into the distinctions between biological male and female, as he intended, and just identifying doesn't make you the other thing That's not to recognize, I mean, that's not to ignore the fact that there are people who, in this fallen world, struggle with uh, figuring out, you know, who they are as God has made them, and that, you know, it's not to say that we should just treat the problem like it and dismiss it it's something that we do need to address as christians and care for people but a caring for them really shouldn't mean like affirming a problem as a good thing you know we want to help them with the problem and deal with it and not you know we don't want to hate on one side but we don't want to champion something on the other side that could be destructive So, in the Equality Act, it defines gender identity because it uses that term um, in updating the Civil Rights Act. So, it defines gender identity as, quote, The term gender identity means the gender-related identity, appearance, mannerisms, or other gender-related characteristics of an individual, regardless of the individual's designated sex at birth, unquote. So, if I just put on a long haired wig and put on a a dress and try to talk in a high voice, is that good enough to make me a woman? You know <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's kind of a scary picture in my head <laughs> yeah yeah,
0: it's a scary picture in my head too, That's so <laughs> I- agree with you there, babe yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think like you pointed out earlier that just changing the appearance doesn't change the entire biological part of you that is still very much male. And I think that it's kind of a discredit to males and females when people try and think that they can be the opposite gender because there's a whole lot about men that females can never fully understand or comprehend. There's a lot about females that a male can never fully comprehend or understand. Males do not have their menstrual cycles every month. There's no way a male could understand what a female goes through with that side of it and males have their own cycles of hormones and issues um, that a female would never understand. So I just think you're right. Putting on the wig, talking differently, does not make you the other gender. It does not even make you understand the other gender either.
0: Yeah, and then so allegedly with this, equality act you know there's there's supposed to be the idea of cisgender versus transgender stuff like that so it's like how do we how can you legally distinguish because it mentions appearance and mannerisms as gender identity so how do we distinguish between a cisgendered person acting in defiance of their biological gender versus a transgender person who acts who legitimately identifies with the gender that is opposite their birth because obviously there are complications with that because we know that there are men who take advantage of women and children and stuff like that. There are problems with that that we can't discount. You know, And then, as you mentioned, there you know, we'll get into some of those problems there. So what I'd like us to do would be to get into that topic in the next episode just how does this anti-discrimination law allegedly deal with discrimination and how would there be any adverse effects on how this would end up treating women and children I mean, could there be really devastating negative effects toward women who've worked so hard to get recognized with their appropriate rights as human beings and children protection from those who might be masquerading under the opposite gender for self centered and exploitative reasons. And so, as we end this episode, I would like to plug a promo for Andrew Rappaport's The Rap Report on the Christian Podcast Community. Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, J. Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org.
1: Can you answer the following questions for your children or for the person to whom you are witnessing? Number one, is the New Testament reliable? Two, can you explain the Trinity to me? Three, how is Jesus, both God and man? And a slew of other questions you will be able to answer if you get Andrew Rappaport's new book, What Do We Believe? It will help you a ton. Get your copy at whatdowebelievebook.com. Whatdowebelievebook.com.